0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Well, this is a, a unexpected treat. Jack Michaels has called back to be on inside sports with the, it was so he, I don't know why Jack, what's going on, buddy.
1: I'm doing this for the rare reason. I thought I was a little distracted at the end. It's because my wife was motioning to be frantic, uh, frantically frantically and what she was trying to say was christmas party and here's the reason she said it my first year in edmonton i went to the annual oilers christmas party which as you can imagine you know my first year in with this kind of organization you kind of feel your way in it's a massive party and everything like that and and certainly it's the first time i've really introduced my wife to everyone well there was one person there that went out of his way to spend about 20 minutes with her long conversation and kind of got her into the, into the group. And it wasn't my immediate boss. It wasn't someone from HR. It wasn't, it was Kevin Lowe. And uh, you know what? She makes a good point. That's the kind of teammate he was. It was Kevin Lowe of all those people. And at that time, you know, president of the hockey operations, whole nine yards just thought it was a worthy anecdote to kind of reinforce one of the reasons why i think kevin lowe was elected to the hall of fame uh you know you can debate the merits of his statistical achievements but what you cannot debate is i think he was a hall of fame teammate uh and it didn't just end with his playing career all right i got to make way for martin gelina
0: appreciate it buddy see ya That is Jack Michaels just uh, relating another quick story there about uh, Kevin, a little good stuff there from Jack Michaels. We've also heard from Ken Holland and uh, Glenn Anderson tonight. We're going to get Martin Gellin on the show uh, this half hour as Jerome McGinley goes into the Hall of Fame. Uh, former Calgary Flame teammate of Jelena. And don't forget Jelena, also a teammate of Kevin Lowe on the Oilers' run to the 1990 Stanley Cup. We should connect with him in a minute or two here. Uh, Lowe, on a conference call today, was asked about the 19-year wait for the Hall of Fame.
2: First of all, I've never seen myself as a Hall of Famer. Um, For me, the Hall of Fame was uh, Bobby Orr, Jean Beliveau, Gordy Howe, Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, and and
3: although I know there are players of my ilk in the Hall of Fame, uh, and it's uh, it's a place for everyone, I um, I really
2: didn't. I don't want to say I I was disappointed in the years that I didn't um, I didn't get selected, but it, it, it came to the realization, and I had certainly understood
3: uh, you have to put up more points, win awards. Uh, but um, in terms of, as I said earlier, my my my
2: dream was always to win Stanley Cups, and 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 the Hall of Fame was something I
3: never dreamed about.
0: That is Kevin Lowe, and Kevin, uh, we expect to have him on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer tomorrow between noon and 2. I am pleased to welcome to Inside Sports from the Calgary Flames coaching staff and a former Edmonton Oiler, Martin Jelena. Marty, thanks a lot for checking in tonight. You're on with Reed. I, well, I also got to introduce you this way because I just added up uh, playoffs and regular season combined uh 1420 games. I think that but we're going to get into talking about other players, but I think that's worth noting for for uh for your career. Uh, you, you over over 1400 games playoffs and regular season it's, combined. It's
2: a mer- it was it was a miracle uh, with the uh the skill level that I had played 1400 games. Uh pretty fortunate that I I, I really uh, I played that long and, and uh, lucky enough uh, that I didn't get injured all that much uh, over my career. So uh, so it was uh, yeah it was uh, it was a good ride
1: yeah
0: well i mean I, I should remind people you were drafted seventh overall it's not like you were some uh mm. some scrub that was uh, unexpected but still that's uh that was that was a, a heck of a run you, you had and obviously it started uh, w- with the edmonton oilers and, and i want to get back to that but let's let's start with iggy jerome mcginla who uh i mean you scored some huge goals in the oh four playoffs Smarty. there's there's no doubt about that but uh I remember watching those games, and there were nights I thought, my goodness, you look up power forward, and right now Jerome Ginla is the definition of that.
2: Oh, there's no question about it. Uh, Jerome, every time that playoff run, uh, he was just, every time he was on the ice, he was impactful. He was a difference maker. Uh, he was uh, he was a guy on a, on a mission. And uh, there's really two guys. We had a blue-collar team. Uh, didn't really belong. Uh, didn't really belong. Uh, I mean, we blown in the playoff, but nobody was expecting us uh, to win. But there's two guys that really made a difference. And there's uh, Jerome and, and Kipper. And those two guys really, and everybody else, uh, kind of followed the followed the lead. But Jerome was a he was a, a man on a, on the a mission and uh, par forward. And when the game was on the line, uh, he stepped up and, and uh, was a difference maker.
0: Tell me a little bit about getting to know him as a person. Certainly, he's very well respected. He, he's known in the Edmonton area, be, being from St. Albert. And you know, he he always seemed to me. Marty is one of those guys, you know, he'd be really intense on the ice and then, you know, there'd be a shot of him on the bench or he'd do a post-game interview and he's got the biggest smile on his face that he, uh, he almost just seemed like a, a big kid sometimes just enjoying playing the game.
2: It, you know, it's probably one of the classiest guys I've played with. Uh, on the ice, you talk about it and you were bang on. Uh, you want to win every chef. You want to win every game. You, you want to take charge. You want to lead the way. But office he was just the kind of uh, person that I know. He was uh he was in en- uh, uh, with with the fans he was involved with different charities here in Calgary uh, so he was a difference maker off the ice too with uh, uh, with his personality he's got he's charismatic uh, he's got that you always see that big smile and and I always say what you see is what you get that's who he is he's just he treats everybody the, the way he like to be treated uh, I think he uses the golden rule uh, and uh, he's uh, he's a classy guy
0: Hockey's such a physical game and and Jerome scored a lot of his goals as as we like to call it by going to the dirty areas and I'm just looking over his stats here I, I mean really except for one season he played 70 or more games every year and most of the time he played he played all 82 how did he uh you know play that style and and stay healthy
2: It's it's not easy to do because it's it is hard it is demanding it's physically uh, challenging to play to play that way all the time. Not only playing physical, playing a hard physical game, but uh, dropping the gloves once in a while and and uh, and and doing whatever he needed to do to win. So 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 uh, so it's a, quite an accomplishment uh, that he played the way he played for for that long. And uh, when I talked to him maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago and uh and we're talking about different sports a so, while uh, today he said you know i got my hip and and his knees were were aching a little bit so so uh his playing career took a toll on his body no question about it
0: martin jellett and joining us tonight on inside sports jerome mcginla who uh, was a teammate for a couple of years with the Calgary Flames will be going into the Hall of Fame. From an Oilers' angle, Ken Holland for his years as GM in Detroit will go in and Kevin Lowe, the Oilers' all-time leader in games played, will go in in November as well. And uh, Marty when when I reached out to the Flames to see if we could get you on tonight, I you know figured Jerome would have a pretty good chance to go in. I I wasn't so sure about Kevin Lowe, but now I get a chance to ask you about that as well because you were a, a young energetic player who made some pretty important contributions in uh, in 1990 on a, on a veteran team with players like Kevin Lowe who had who had been there before. What do you remember about being Kevin's teammate especially during that 1990 run? You
2: know what? Uh, there's, there's, uh, you know, at that time I, can, I, I couldn't speak English and Kevin could speak French, uh, and and there's always people that you gravitate and and that you know they're gonna help you out and and uh, Kevin did that to me. He was. Uh, he was always uh, he was always there for, for me. He was all, always uh, helping out. So so that shows you that it's the type of person and and, and that's the type of leadership that Kevin Lowe has. Uh, it's always uh, I was listening to your interview before. It was always about winning, and it was always about the team with Kevin. And uh, he he made sure that everybody was included and in part of it. And, and I'm pretty grateful uh, that I came at a young age in, into a team that was uh, surrounded by great, uh, great leadership. But Kevin Lowe was a difference maker. Craig McFavish, I mean, mess, and, and the list goes on. But Kevin was, was awesome.
0: Well, and it's, you know, 30 years since that championship. So th- there have been a lot of storytelling about that and a lot of memories of Bill Ranford and his spectacular goaltending after a bit of a rocky start against the Jets. But then he was almost unbeatable after uh, about the fourth game of the, of the first round. And and you you played on that that young, uh, energetic line, and it just seemed like whenever the Oilers needed to turn the tide a little bit, uh, what was it, you and Murphy and Graves went out there and gave the team a a bit of a shot in the arm? Yeah, you know
2: what, it it just kind of clicked. It just happened that... uh uh the team needed a little bit of a spark. you gotta realize uh, they had four cups before, did everything and and uh, and put a young uh, young line of, of just kids together, that just wanna. To be a difference maker and play hard and just skate and buzz and that's what we did and I think created some some energy for the rest of the team and then and, and, uh, and then uh, everybody kind of bought in and start playing uh, playing hard and playing the same way uh, so it was a for me I'm, I'm thankful and grateful that uh, I had a chance to to be part of that team and, and winning a Stanley Cup with Edmonton uh, you know I you were talking about playing for a long time after that. Uh, uh, 1,300 games and, and, uh, and playoffs and so on, and uh, didn't have a chance to win another one. So pretty thankful that uh, surrounded by some great people in Edmonton, a great team, and, and winning a cup there.
0: Well, we, we should mention, though, I, I mean, you played on some teams that had some deep runs. You you went to the uh, conference finals with the Oilers a couple of times uh, to Game 7 with Vancouver against the Rangers. Uh, Carolina in 0-2. I want to say Detroit beat you guys in 5. I'm trying to remember That's off the top right. of
2: my no, head. Yeah, good memory. Yeah, you bet.
0: And and then also the the game seven with the flames. So uh, you know you didn't quite get as many rings as you would have liked, but you played on some some pretty special teams. And uh, I, I who who was let me ask you this: Who was the of the other three teams you were with the Canucks, the Hurricanes, and the Flames? Who was the biggest underdog uh, was, in their respective playoffs?
2: It was uh, well for what we accomplished. I think it was the Flames.
0: We uh, were just a blue color.
2: Uh, blue collar team and, and uh and just kinda kinda snowball after we beat uh we beat Vancouver in the first round. If you take the nineteen ninety four team in Vancouver, uh, we were on their dog but but still had Pavel Brewery and Trevor Linden and and Kurt McLean and we still had some good good players. Uh in in uh for for Calgary we I mean we were just a uh, a lunch bucket type of team, just kind of work hard and got some breaks and we played the right way and, and so on. So I think uh, that was the team that was more underdog. In 2002 in Carolina, uh, we still had some decent pieces. I mean, you had Ronnie Francis and Rod Moore and, and Arthur Zerbe and the, the list goes on and on. So we still had a good team there too. Um, but other teams. That was the era where there's no salary cap too. So, so 1994 is no salary cap. So, uh, so it was quite an accomplishment to uh, uh, to go seven games against uh, against the Rangers.
0: Yeah, to me, to me, that was one of the most exciting Stanley Cup Finals of of all time for sure. And the way you guys fought back in that series too. Okay, uh, I'll throw you one more about uh, just the current situation. I mean, man, Martin, it's been so crazy. Uh, Just tell me about being on a coaching staff and knowing who you're going to play in a vital series, but but you're not sure. I don't know if you've watched every Jets game three times over by now, but uh, what's this all been like for you?
2: You know It's it's been interesting. It's it's been some ch- uh challenging for, for everybody, there's no question about it. And and uh, uh we're eager and excited to get back uh into it. But uh for us, uh we knew for a while it was gonna be Winnipeg. I uh, tell you what, before we, we we did find out it was Winnipeg, I think we, we uh we pre scouted every team in the league like we were we doing some work that we didn't have to do. But now that we know we have Winnipeg, uh we had some assignments to do. Uh, we watched their game, and uh, we know what we're facing. We're facing a really good team. Uh, they're uh, they're deep offensively, uh, got a great goalie, so, uh, so it'll be a challenge for us. So, so hopefully everything will, uh, there's a plan in place. Hopefully the plan will uh, uh, will happen, and, and uh, we'll be able to play some hockey uh, sooner than, than later.
0: Marty, thanks for doing this. I know you've had a lot of uh, media requests over the last couple of days to, to celebrate Jerome McGinley, and it turns out Kevin Lowe as well. So thank you for checking in on Inside Sports in Edmonton, and all the best.
2: No, Thank you very much. And, and you know what? Uh, two great guys, Kevin Lowe that I know and, and Jerome. So couldn't be happier for those two guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Right on. Excellent stuff. That is Martin Jelena, assistant coach for uh, the Calgary Flames, of course, a former Oiler and Flame, and he was telling you about some great playoff runs with the Canucks and Hurricanes as well. Awesome to have him on the show. It is 7.20, Inside Sports on Chet. flames assistant coach martin gillen on the show speaking of the flames the construction on their new arena will begin next august 550 million dollar project in calgary the city and the flames are going to split the cost and it is scheduled to open in may of 2024 several players and staff members of the blue jays have tested positive for COVID-19. Some other uh, big leaguers testing positive as well. They're going to start their training camp one week from today. And then about a month from now, the Major League Baseball season will start going with just 60 games. The Canadian Finals Rodeo scheduled for Red Deer in November has been canceled as well because of the pandemic. The New York City Marathon, a race I I ran, and I use the word ran loosely. <laughs> For an event I completed, that's how I'll put it, uh, in 2013. It's being canceled because of the pandemic as well. It was supposed to go on November 1st. And from the Canadian Football League, pretty good player, James Wilder Jr., running back with the Alouettes, signed with them in January after being with the Argos, has decided to retire in part because of the uncertainty created by the pandemic. All right, 780 496 0063 is how you can call or text. Scott says, uh, Hey, Reed, please tell Jack, thanks for calling back. And giving the story about Mr. Lowe and Jack's wife, that was a beauty. And another texter says, uh, One day we were watching our son play minor hockey at one of the Sherwood Park arenas. Our other little one was hanging around, and Kevin Lowe happened to be nearby. He took the time to come over and talk to us and talk to our little son about minor hockey. It was very nice. I've never forgotten it. couple of texts there, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Speaking of the baseball situation, we'll get some perspective from Edmonton's Mike Johnson, who used to pitch for the Montreal Expos. rock song of all time endless, there i said it kellen i agree it's a beauty what year was this 2002 2000, 2002 there we go for yep. people who say i only listen to 80s rock queens of the stone age no one knows uh, and that is i believe is off songs for the deaf Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that, and that would be uh, i would say one of my top 10 favorite albums of all time so there we go 7804960063 is the number to call or text. Ken Holland going into the Hall of Fame, as is Kevin Lowe, Jerome McGinley, Edmonton Connections there. Marion Hosa, Doug Wilson, and Kim St. Pierre, also part of the class of 2020. Uh, Daniel Alfredson, Theo Fleury, Alexander McGillney. Some of the bigger names who uh, will not be inducted in November. Hall of Fame weekend tentatively scheduled for November 13th to 15th. And of course, a lot of things are tentative as we take you through the pandemic. And that includes that, uh, you know, we're still waiting to see what the hub cities will be in the NHL. Vancouver had been looking pretty good, but a lot of reports today that Vancouver dropping down the likelihood of being a hub city. Uh, Thomas Drance tweeted about an, about an hour ago. He covers the Vancouver Canucks for the athletic Vancouver. Here's what he tweeted. He says, uh, I'm told negotiations are ongoing and talks are cooperative, but the NHL is running on a tight timeline. The league has to move on and continue to do due diligence on other potential hub city solutions or locations. Pardon me. He also said strong sense of pessimism from both Canucks and NHL sources on the status of the Vancouver bid this afternoon, positive test protocol snag was encountered Tuesday afternoon. Disagreement is in the details, but this is complex stuff and could be insurmountable. So what if there is a positive test within the bubble? The NHL sounds like would want one thing and uh, perhaps the, uh, uh, the uh, health officials in Vancouver and BC would want something else. So, uh, th- I mean, there's going to be a Canadian city. Could there be two? Could it be Edmonton and Toronto? Is, is Vegas still a lock? Certainly some areas of the United States are, are having issues with cases going up. It was interesting to get Glenn Anderson's perspective on the pandemic where he is in Florida as well. He said he has his own rules that he sticks by and he wears the masks and gloves When he goes out, and uh, I think he said 5,000 new cases today in Florida, and he said a lot of people between the ages of 25 and 35 are getting it. You know, clearly it's it's more under control in Canada, and we want to keep it that way. But that's uh, that's and and this changes. I mean, we had Chris Johnson on the show on Monday from Sportsnet, and he said. He thought Vancouver and Edmonton were ahead of Toronto when it came to a possible Canadian location. Now it looks like that uh, Vancouver has dropped down a little bit. So something we will keep following, and we could see hub cities before the weekend. All right, Uh, there won't be hub cities in Major League Baseball. They may have to use neutral sites at some point, though, but they are going to get back at it to discuss that. Edmonton-owned, uh, the uh, from Edmonton, lives here in Edmonton. That's what I've tried to say. <laughs> he pitched in the bigs, including a few seasons with the Montreal Expos. It is our buddy Mike Johnson on the line. Mike, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Good, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's always great to catch up with you. We've talked baseball a lot over the last few years. We've never talked about the prospect of a 60-game season. Uh, man, chopping over a hundred games off the schedule because of the pandemic and and some disputes going back between the owners and the players. Tell me about your view on deciding
4: to go with a season length.
0: That's so shortened.
4: Yeah. I mean, there's not much kind of choice in it. Um, I mean, obviously it would have been a lot better if the negotiations between the players association and the owners went a little bit better and a little smoother, but it is what it is. And they got people in place to try and look out for each other's best interest. And, I guess the good news is, is any type of schedule right now based on the circumstances in the world is, is better than none for sure. So these people get to enjoy what they're kind of used to normal, like a little bit of normalcy, watching some games on TV and not only baseball, but hopefully basketball and hockey here soon too.
0: Yeah. Two other sports that are, are hoping to get going in, in late July or early August. Have you ever thought about like putting yourself in the shoes of a player who's going through this right now i mean as a pitcher you 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 know you get ready and you're used to getting out there every fifth or sixth day and starting and now it's just been waiting and waiting and waiting have you have you thought like
4: man what what have i been doing going through something like this um well i mean that's this is kind of their these guys' jobs um they sh- should be throwing, and, and if you kind of watch, follow a lot of them on social media, they've been throwing, they've been hitting, and they have the means and stuff to do that and to stay in shape, and I don't think, I don't think they would have come to any sort of agreement as far as, like, starting spring training. On the first, which is in about a week, and starting the season three weeks after that, if the players weren't ready to go, so I think they're pretty confident that that everybody's been doing their due diligence through through the pandemic and uh, and will be ready to go. So hopefully that's the case.
0: So in terms of of the season, like it is so truncated, does that change the way you perceive? the teams that are going to be in the playoffs or whoever, you know, hits the most home runs or has the best batting average because it's such a decrease from that usual grind of day after day for several months. How do you look at that?
4: I don't know. It's, it's going to be a really weird year because, well, not only the shortened season, but if you've seen, like, they've expanded rosters. So I think for the first month, you can have 30 guys on your roster. Like, that's un, that's unheard of. So you're going to be adding pitchers, you're going to be adding pitchers to there. So obviously I think that's the main reason is you're adding arms because within three weeks you don't have really the time to build guys up. So they're actually building themselves up through the season. So they're going to add some bullpen arm out, bullpen arms there to kind of help with that type of workload. But uh, And then after the first month, I think it goes down to 26 after that. But, uh, yeah, it's just going to be a weird year. Like, are they going to have mvps and cy youngs and all the same types of awards and i that's kind of like the the grind of the season and who comes out on top at at the end of that grind is kind of like the one of the more exciting things about the sport too is like you're playing for five six months and then got two months worth of playoffs like it's it's a grind to do that you're playing 160 60 game schedule well now you're cram that into 60 games and Going into a regular playoff playoff scenario, if you get hot early, you could be basically a lock for the playoffs after the first month.
0: Yeah, good point. Mike Johnson joining us tonight on Inside Sports, former Major League pitcher, including a few seasons with the Montreal Expos. Um, when you when you look at and you were a player, obviously, so there there's a long history of sort of sometimes even hostile negotiations between players and owners. There's been several work stoppages in, in baseball. Like, when you were a player in the Players Association, did you feel that sort of history of distrust with uh, with ownership? Does it exist sort of on a day-to-day level, or does it only surface when there are, are negotiations or something like this?
4: Um, I, I think when, like, the collective bargaining agreement is kind of up for renewal and stuff, um, I never... I was never really aware. Like, we had reps on our teams that kind of represented each team and kept us informed as far as information stuff that was going on. But um, in my short time of being a part of Major League Baseball, I never really had that experience. I know the last work stoppage in, I think it was 94, uh, the year the Expos had, like, that amazing team and looked like they were destined for the playoffs and a chance at the World Series. And obviously that never happened. But... There's been a couple disputes up until that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I'm sure people don't know about that goes on behind closed doors. I mean, you're not just talking about millions of dollars. You're talking about billions and billions of dollars as far as, like, the Major League League brand and, and the corporation and the owners and stuff that goes on, and same thing on the player side. But... I guess the one thing that I'm like more concerned, more concerned of is what's happening on the minor league side. Because everybody's obviously the the major league baseball gets the, the most press as far as like, oh, when's the season starting? But the thing that the thing that would scare me the most is being a minor leaguer in this situation. Again, if you're following social media, like this team releases 40 minor league players. Well. I didn't even do anything to get released. I just I wasn't even at work. And now these guys are trying to find jobs and they're cutting teams and and who knows. Nobody's even talked about the status of minor league baseball and whether they're going to go back to play. So I I'd, I'd be a little bit more concerned about those type guys because I mean at the minor league level you're making nothing. At least at the major league level these guys these guys are all right after one paycheck. But Minor league, minor league, guys are are going to be. That'll be interesting to see kind of what happens with that in the years to come.
0: Yeah, that's a good point about the the long term impact for for some of those teams and developing talent. Absolutely. When you hear about some of the the positive tests over the last few days, Blue Jays, uh, Mariners, Tigers, Rockies, some of the teams that have reported players and or staff with positives, does that make you a little leery about? when the season actually starts and players traveling around or maybe having to go to a neutral site or how do you view that?
4: I don't know. I mean, everybody kind of has their own personal view of the pandemic and obviously I have mine and you have yours. If I'm a player and I'm in that position and I want to get back to playing and I want to get back to doing my job and I know that there's a risk, then I think I have the right to i think there's a couple of like football players or even hockey players that said like they're going to retire if they have to go back because that's how seriously they're taking this thing whereas obviously other guys are like okay well if i get it i get it i'm a healthy i'm a healthy individual obviously an elite athlete whether i'm a hockey player basketball player football player or baseball player like these guys are recovering from it so then you have kind of the medical side of it that's looking and going, well, you, we have to, like, flatten the curve and, and get this thing under control. But I'm also kind of of the mindset, like, okay, we've been locked down here for three months. Like, we also need to kind of get back to a little bit of normal life, lifestyle. And whether that's basketball, baseball, or hockey being a part of that, I mean, I know I personally want it because it's something that I've missed. And obviously we've gone without it for a long period of time as far as all sports but i mean just to kind of get back to being normal again
0: mike and i'll, I'll uh, ask you about getting back to normal in what you do currently Five field house i know we've talked about all the great work you do there how have you guys uh, well i know obviously you've been affected but you're you're back and running again
4: Yeah, we've been open up now. This is our second week. We were lucky, luckily enough to be bumped up to stage two. Uh, For a long time we were there stage three and been closed for three months and we're, yeah, obviously we have some new protocols in line as far as um, sanitation and, and cleanliness and some protocols for clients coming in and stuff, but yeah, it, it was a rough three months as far as wondering what was going to go on. But, yeah, doors are open, and we're running, running like normal. And, yeah, we're just hoping that people, people start coming in again. And, obviously, it's a difficult time with it being the middle of summer. But, uh, but, no, we're just glad to be open. And, like I said, kind of been harping on just kind of getting back to a little bit of normal lifestyle here.
0: And let people know again where they can find you online and on social media.
4: Yeah, it's 5toolfieldhouse.com, uh, and we're located on the west side, 100, 185 66 Avenue Northwest. And yeah, come on down, you can book, book or call uh, through the website, and yeah, come down, hit some balls.
0: Mike, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for your perspective on this. Usually, this is the time of year we'd be doing about a mid-season interview on baseball, but uh, things are a little different. But we'll talk as they get the season going. Really appreciate it. Sounds that. good, Ray. Take it easy. That is Mike Johnson checking in, former big league pitcher and uh, now runs the 5-2 field Fieldhouse. He gave you the location there in the West End. Always has an interesting perspective on Major League Baseball. It is going to be uh, very different for baseball. Look, it's going to be very different for hockey, finishing the season potentially in August and September. I, I feel like, though, it's, even though baseball is going to be happening like during baseball season 60 games I mean that'd be like hockey playing what about 31 games it's it's just really going to be strange and as he said are you going to have an MVP and a and a Cy Young for you know basically about a third of the season pretty different times in Major League Baseball it's 747 we'll put a cap on this baby when we get back (laughs) Hey, good to have you along for the ride tonight. We've had Ken Holland on the show, Marty Jelena, Glenn Anderson, Jack Michaels, Mike Johnson. A lot of fun tonight. Uh, look for Bob Stauffer on Oilers now. Uh, he is planning to have Kevin Lowe live on the show tomorrow, so that'll be cool. Kevin Lowe named to the Hockey Hall of Fame today. Good stuff for him. Uh, Ken Holland, Jerome Ginla, Doug Wilson, Kim St. Pierre, Marion Hosa also going in. You can text 780-496-0063 uh michael texting in and uh, he says reed congratulations to kevin lowe for being elected to the hockey hall of fame it's about more than stats if it was all about stats there would never be a defensive player in the football hall of fame kevin lowe was a heart and soul player on those oilers teams of the 80s and instrumental to their success that's a text coming in and uh another text coming in from skidzo tool who i believe we heard from last night as well he says reed Goodbye, baseball. There will not be a full season. They are not going to make it to 60 games. I predict they don't even make it to 30. The situation with COVID in the States is too uncertain. Too many cases, too many players are going to get infected. They are going to have to call that season off. That is from Skids O'Toole, 780-496-0063. Always appreciate you chiming in. Fred Stamps, scheduled to join us on Inside Sports tomorrow. It'll be cool to catch up with uh one of the best Eskimos of the last 20 years. Uh, we'll also get an update on the Alberta junior hockey league, one of the many hockey leagues facing an uncertain future because of the pandemic. I want to get in this clip here. Lanny McDonald is the uh, chairman now of the hockey hall of fame. So he was calling everybody today to let them know that uh, they had been selected and interesting for for Lanny McDonald to be speaking out about Kevin Lowe because they had so many head-to-head battles in the Battle of Alberta of the 1980s.
3: First of all, it was never fun to play against Kevin. Uh, Kevin was one of the most reliable defensemen uh, you could possibly imagine. But more importantly, uh, he we all knew that he was the leader of the pack. And Yes, they had Gretzky, they had Curry, they had Messier, they had Anderson, they had Grant Fuhrer. But every time something happened and we had all kinds of battles between Calgary and Edmonton, Kevin Lowe was in the thick of it. And normally he was uh, the leader of the game and they were like a wolf pack. And that wolf out front... Uh, was doing a hell of a job of of not only when something had to be said or something had to be done on the ice, you knew he was going to start it.
0: That is a little bit from Lanny McDonald on Kevin Lowe. Good stuff there. Uh, Just some other uh, notes here. If you missed it earlier. The Canadian Finals Rodeo scheduled for Red Deer in November. This rodeo, of course, held in Edmonton for a long time before heading down the highway. It has been canceled because of the pandemic. There will not be uh, a New York City Marathon this year in November because of the pandemic. James Wilder, CFL running back, who uh, had a couple of pretty good seasons with the Argos, he's going to retire. The construction of the Calgary Flames new arena will start next August, and it's scheduled to open in uh in May of 2024 and several players and staff members on the Blue Jays have reportedly tested positive for covid-19 uh Charlie Blackman of the Colorado Rockies I think we mentioned that uh, last night he has tested positive as well so as uh, the texture skids alluded to when, when he wrote in it's uh not totally going smoothly for Major League Baseball the uh, caddies for Gray McDowell, testing uh, positive in golf. Brooks Kepka as well. Sorry, have tested positive for the coronavirus. So they have both withdrawn from the Travelers Championship. Novak Djokovic and his wife from tennis, they have tested positive. There was a uh, Djokovic organized a couple of tournaments uh, in Europe. There was not social distancing practiced and uh, the 17-time Grand Slam champ has apologized online for bringing together a group of players from various countries. All right, that's the lowdown tonight. Get more on 630 jet.com globalnews.ca. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of the show, to Kellen Kennedy, the studio producer. Thanks to Kevin Jesus over at uh, Global Television for helping with some elements of the show tonight as well. I will talk to you at 6 tomorrow. Take care.